Welcome guys to podcast number 12 of Tyson Conversation and today we're joined by our third guest of the show, Antronik Kazarian. How you going, man? Hey man, I'm great. How are you? How are you, Tyson? I'm um, awesome. Uh, thanks for jumping on the podcast, man. So for you guys watching, if you've been following any of my content, the Stronger Bodyweight Workout Series number two was when we first or was when I first met Antronik was Lachlan was training at Muscle Beach and that was when you spotted Lachlan, wasn't it Antronik? Yeah, I recognized him, yeah. From, did you recognize him from YouTube? Yeah, and I, you know, I ran up to him like a fanboy and I was like, hey, you're Lachlan Walker. (laughs) (laughs) So, from there, um, we ended up actually staying at Antronik's brother's house for, I can't remember how long, I think it was a couple of days and then maybe a week a bit later on. Um, so had some awesome hospitality there. I think is Ayman still staying with uh, the ubiquitous love tribe? The uh, no, hip-hop he, group? he moved out and so now he's... Um, He's in Long Beach, which is a bit further away, so they split ways, but yeah, but my brother's good yeah. too, and they're good. <laughs> yeah, and then are you still based in Malibu? No, I actually moved uh, out, I'm in Glendale right now, I moved away from the beach because uh, my girlfriend and I found a place together, and it's been quite a transition being away from the beach beach it completely changed up my training and the way I do things <laughs> because I can't just go to the beach and work out outdoors in 10 minutes you know so you're not like what's the difference between where you were and where Glendale is like for the beach um like Muscle Beach was 15 10 maybe 10 15 minutes away by car before now it's like on average it's like 45 minutes away if there's no traffic, it's like 30 minutes, but usually there's some sort of traffic. Okay, because I had the impression that you were at Muscle Beach like every day. Is, is that what you were doing when you were at Malibu? I mean, I was pretty much not every day, but uh, I mean, a lot of people would assume that because it was, it was like three times a week at least. So, yeah. so it was often, you know, I, it was as often as I could. And yeah, right. Usually it's like I'm on the computer in the morning until the afternoon and then I'm like over, over it all. I, mean, I just want to get out. So okay. I would run to the beach and uh, or bike to the beach and then it would be like awesome. <laughs> yeah, man, even to this day, um, when I was at Muscle Beach, I've not obviously been back since we were filming the Strongest series. Um, but those times and the vibe and everything on Muscle Beach is just a, it's an unparalleled atmosphere, I feel, to anywhere else that I've been. Have you found it hard to kind of try and replicate that? Or is it just you look at that as its own separate thing and where you train elsewhere, it's, you have your own kind of vibe that you create for training? It's very, very, very difficult to replicate the vibe at Muscle Beach. It's like mm. I've gone traveling outside of the country and you know i'm not even sure if anywhere else matches exactly that kind of setting and that kind of vibe 
I haven't been to Brazil, uh, but I hear that they have a very good, um, well, actually three places come to mind. Brazil, Florida, and, um, and Israel. Because uh, these places have a strong uh, movement kind of culture out, outdoors. They have, you know, adult playgrounds. So I haven't checked it out myself, but I'm sure they, there are some spots there that come close to that same vibe, but there's nothing else locally that holds a candle to that or most places. I mean, most places don't have that kind of community. And it's my dream that we start, we should somehow start, uh, a wave to get more adult playgrounds built in the world mm. everywhere I mean wouldn't wouldn't you love that I mean yeah 100% I'd love that and I know that there was a push to try and do that more at Bondi so in Australia in Sydney we have Bondi Beach which is kind of our tourist beach that everyone wants to go to and visit if they're coming through and it has a similar vibe to Muscle Beach but it's not the same, it's definitely not the same and there is its own little body weight calisthenics fitness kind of culture down at Bondi and they recently had well, probably been a couple of years now, had a renovation to their bodyweight training park. Um, that's with people like Marcus Bondi uh, down there. And um, it got revamped, but if you've been to Muscle Beach and then you go to Bondi, um, it's not even in the same league, unfortunately. Yeah, there, there was a la lady, her name was Claire, who was visiting from there. She want, she really wanted to be play a major role in revamping Bondi Beach. I was talking to her when she was visiting here and she yeah. really wanted the concepts of the traveling rings and the slackline park to be installed uh, over there, you know, just so that it would exist over there as well because her take on it was that basically her take on it was that you know normally you have pull-up bars and parallel bars and these are very male-dominated apparatuses right i mean yeah. most women that if they look at a pull-up bar you know maybe they could hang from it if they can't do a pull-up they feel like there's nothing else they can do right i mean yeah. that's yeah. that's their experience of it in general but the traveling rings uh open up a different world where not only can men do it, but women can do it. And women are actually extremely graceful at it as well because their bodies tend to be lighter. So their grip is not as uh, affected as heavily. It's not as taxed as heavily. So there's, you know, and they could really shine there and express themselves through that. And the Slackline Park as well, same thing. That's like, you know, all genders are pretty much on the same level. Uh, women might find it even easier if they're lighter in general. So, you know, like those, those things, if those got implemented, it would have been a really nice balance. Uh, and I think it's, it's a shame that they, you know, that they couldn't do that. It's really hard to get through all the red tape. Unfortunately, there's a lot of bureaucracy uh, involved. And then the people that you were talking to in these city councils, they themselves, okay, so in general, most people are not working out regularly and they're not 
fit like we are in general like we're obsessed with working out right i mean we are like yeah. a smaller part of the population so the people that you're trying to convince might not necessarily understand how you know what this vibe is that we're talking about that we want to recreate and that is a mission that i think it's worth uh you know if we all focus our energy on somehow making this concept go viral into a in in a way that we can present this to city councils around the world universally like send a message that this can create community and help your businesses around you and help people's health overall and you know get them outdoors to be happy like that would be an amazing you know endeavor right i mean that's always been a dream of mine to see how we could spread this idea everywhere <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's actually really interesting what you said about the traveling rings and slacklining, how it opens up the world of bodyweight training a bit more to women to come and get involved. Because I'd have obviously be for it anyway, but I hadn't considered how it opens it up to females to come and do it as well. And I can think of, um, the only thing I can think of, obviously there would be politics and everything involved as well, but I wonder where they would put them down at Bondi. Because there's, if you've ever been, there's not that much room down there. So I can imagine along with the politics, every little bit of space, someone wants to have a say as to what goes where. But I think you're right on the money about us trying to get calisthenics and body weight training out there and make it just more well known because that's probably one of the biggest things I've seen that limits people in terms of what we do is the, that people are intimidated by it because they don't know what to do or how to go about it. And something like traveling rings allows anyone really to just be like, oh, so I just swing on the rings. Like not everyone can do a pull up, but most people should be able to hang onto a ring and swing. So it kind of opens up that, um, that level of fitness to them. And that, like, I think a good example is the boom of CrossFit, where you never went into just a, a basic gym and saw like a lifting floor and bumper plates and like a whole matrix system for hanging rings and doing pull-ups. And since CrossFit has come around and become a mainstream thing, you're starting to see these commercial gyms adding those things to it. So if we can just do that, yeah, if we can just do that a bit more with calisthenics and body weight, I think um, people that are in charge, like you said, councils, politicians and businesses are going to be more open to adding these things to outdoor areas. Because particularly in Australia, man, it's, it's very limited. Right. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And it's, the thing that blows my mind as well and, and makes like what makes this even more uh likely to happen if we really push for it is that the equipment that they're going to be installing it's like a one-time purchase so to speak because the maintenance on them is minimal you know like let's say you yeah. install pull-up bars okay you installed it that thing's going to be good for decades probably you know and yeah. the same for thing for the traveling rings slackline park is just going to be some poles in the ground like the the cost of this compared to what cities typically deal, deal with is very low the infrastructure is so low and then the maintenance on it is so low uh, it just doesn't make any sense to not do it because it forces people to go outdoors and 
you know, everyone needs to go outdoors a bit. And if the weather mm. is particularly good in your area, then why not? You know, even if it's only good for a few months of the year, like why not? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bodyweight training is like that, hey? The tools that we use, which are minimal anyway, is so sturdy. I'm just thinking the first pair of rings I ever bought, I still own. I made some PVC parallettes maybe 10 years ago. I still have them. It's like I a one-time one purchase and that's it, pretty much. Like for our own personal items and then those large, large apparatuses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so if you live near Muscle Beach, you're definitely blessed with all the different equipment. I remember when I was there for Stronger, I was, there was an equivalent of, uh, there was an equivalent at Muscle Beach of every apparatus in men's gymnastics, which is so cool. Like even the grass floor there, I think is the dimensions of a men's gymnastics floor. And then you even have extras like the rope climb, the traveling rings and the slack line. But if you're not training there all the time, have you been able to replace, uh, like, are you using outdoor equipment still or have you got your own stuff? So I basically reverted to working out at home for the most part in regards to strength training, because, you know, it didn't make sense to, you know, drive a couple hours to go, to go train. Like, uh, basically I ended up, do, I, I end up now doing most of my actual you know, strict training at home. And there are, uh, there are a couple parks nearby locally to me that have pull-up bars. And there's actually a park nearby that has rings as well. But I don't go there as often. Um, you know, I, I go there seldomly when I really want to mm -hmm. just do it outdoors. Because it's not this, it doesn't have like a, first of all, um, it's, the pull-up bars themselves are integrated with a children's playground. So okay. it's usually kids there, which, you know, it's not a big deal to me. And, you know, as long as you don't look shady or sketchy, you know, yeah. you don't look like a homeless person or something, you know, weird, you're there to work out, you know, no one cares. No one cares that you're using the same equipment. It's very obvious that you're like doing something serious. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, but do, do you often get like a, what, what's that man doing up there? What's he doing? The kids. And then you yeah. get, yeah, and then you yeah. get a crowd built up. And, and then you get the parents <laughs> answering incorrectly, like what I'm doing, because they, they have no idea. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you can even replace your ring stuff that you're doing at home? Uh, or do you just yeah. not need to do the ring stuff well, as often? Well, I just don't do it as often. I modify because I don't have a tall ceiling. So I, you know, some things are impossible basically to do at home. Yeah. But I basically, the way I structured everything now is that I do my strict strength training, uh, like, uh, you know, all my pushing and pulling work basically at home. And then I'll go to the beach, uh, like to Muscle Beach, for example, and I'll do all my skill work there. And I won't have the opportunity to go there often, obviously. So, but when I go there, it's mostly like much more fun oriented and I'm not going to be like trying to do sets and reps of certain exercises. Uh, it's more like just free form and I want to do a few things and work on some skills that I can't 
at home, you know? Yep, yep. Um, if we can just take like a couple steps back as well, because I, I like to ask this of my guests in case listeners haven't heard of them before, um, to give a little bit of a training background. So kind of like where you discovered bodyweight training or just in general, like since you were a kid, what kind of training you've been involved in? Can you just take us back to when you first found out about bodyweight strength training or even further if it kind of ties into what you used to do as a kid? Sure. Um, as So when I was a kid, I wasn't really into sports. I wasn't very athletic. I was actually a big computer nerd. And it, was, it wasn't until I was uh, 16, my parents got me, um, for my birthday, they got me a gym membership. And then I started going to the gym for a... Yay, thanks, mom. I, I started going to the gym <laughs> for a few years. And then, um, yeah... That and then college, college came around, and then I fell. That all fell by the wayside, but I was still active in some way. Like I got really heavily into bicycling, and then yeah, in my mid twenties, I was really cycling a lot, like bicycling all over the place, um, doing hundred mile rides sometimes, and all that jazz and then I discovered yoga and yoga was really my first foray into pure bodyweight exercises because on in yoga there's there's nothing but you know the floor or your mat and the floor right yeah essentially that was like my real taste into movement and you know flexibility training and I found it to be the perfect complement to my bicycling and swimming and whatever else I was doing at the time and after I had been doing yoga for a few years, then I discovered Muscle Beach. And then I discovered that, you know, there's all these apparatuses that were, you know, like the high bar and the rings that were not open to me before. And I heavily started researching gymnastics strength training because I figured, okay, if I'm going to train using, you know, the equipment here, I'm going to look at gymnasts because they do everything like the most, you know, proper way, so to speak, you know, with the, because I'm like a stickler for form. I like, I like to do things, you know, I like to do things that look good, you know, that are the right way. And I always found gymnasts to be that. So, uh, so it was like, yeah, it was, I guess I was in my late twenties then, and now I'm 35. So, uh, it's been like a good eight years of going there and just, you know, being obsessed with that kind of work with the gymnastic strength training and calisthenics and bodyweight exercises. And before that was a little bit of yoga only. So the yoga was like a okay. re really, really good foundation for, you know, having like the prerequisite flexibility and mobility for certain things. But and taking directions <laughs> yeah so all that stuff and then so yeah that was pretty much you know in a nutshell how it's been going okay uh all right so couple questions had did you ask your parents for the gym membership or did they just give it to you as like a they just ga um, gave it mom? they just gave it um but i was going there already like I was trying to find like I was getting free passes 
and like yep. you know you would get like free pass for two weeks or something and i would like go and i i would go almost every day and then i'd find another way to go again and like it was like yeah so that they could see i was starting okay, to get yeah. into it and then they gave me okay, the yeah. gift yeah <laughs> yeah so you were showing you'd already had an interest in it probably because i assume you were on the computer a lot and everything and you'd started to get or think maybe I should be like moving a bit more or doing something and that's when you started going to the gym yeah I was actually always very health oriented I was like kind of uh, nerding out on you know longevity and figuring out okay what do I need to eat right what do I need to uh, you know be as healthy as possible so I won't get sick and you know live as long as possible so when i was like a teenager like all these things were i was really it was on my mind so and it still is uh very much so and i'm so glad like that i'm into that because it's good for me <laughs> yeah but uh you know i just wish i knew some of the things that i knew that i know now back then you know because it's like back then we didn't have access to the internet and all the inf I mean, I had access to the internet, but it wasn't what it is today. I mean, Google didn't exist. Yeah. It was like, you got to like get lucky to find good content. And, you know, now it's everywhere. Now it's everything. Uh, I had to look, yeah. look at magazines before and, you know, those are full of bro science themselves, unfortunately. So, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, full of it. So, um... With, uh, uh, just on what you said then, is, is there any uh, uh, examples of something you wish you knew when you were younger that you know now? Uh, sorry, something that you didn't know when you were younger that you know now? I mean, so many things, like simple thing, like I couldn't do a pull-up. I was doing like assist, I was using the assisted machine when I was 16, you know? Yep. And, you know, no one told me do negatives, you know? Just like do, right. do like simple, simple things, you know? And then like I would read on, um, like there were always routines in these magazines for, um, you know, getting a six pack or something, right? And I would, and I would follow, yeah. and I would follow them. I would follow them all. And like, you know, none of them ever like said that, hey, you know, it's about your diet and like, you know, calorie counting wasn't as much of a thing back then unless you were a professional bodybuilder because you didn't have apps to track it, you know? Like, it wasn't easy to do that stuff. Like, <laughs> it was yeah, not that's as... That's so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so frustrating, man, because when it comes to fitness, when it comes to health, there's, there's solid foundations to all of that that can only be repeated so much before it's just like, you know, compound exercises, clean up your diet, like low processed uh, foods, low sugar, that kind of thing. And with because fitness is an industry, the industries are just finding ways to recycle and to come up with just like the, the smallest thing, like new workout to bring out the abs for summer and stuff that... And so many people buy these magazines or listen and download this stuff because they're interested in fitness when, yeah, there's just, there's foundations to it. And the industry just exploits all this, these micro bits of information and tweak it just to make it sound new again. And uh, it can really confuse someone that's just starting out. 
Um, I mean, for me, for example, when I first started Olympic lifting, my, uh, my first like Olympic lifting workout was literally out of a men's health magazine telling me how to snatch. And uh, yeah, like going back to that now, knowing what I know is like, what the hell would I have been doing in gym that night? Like what would other people have thought if they knew what a snatch should look like compared to what I'd read and thought I should execute? But um, yeah, I think everyone goes through that, that initial, you know, looking to magazines, looking to bodybuilding.com's articles and yeah. things like that. And it's really yeah. sad. It's just sad overall because like they can use that space to educate people the right way, but instead they're telling them to do 120 crunches and bicycle crunches and then plank and then like, you know, like excessive volume that plays on people's insecurity. Like... That, that's what sucks because most people are like, uh, like well, well, not, just, not just the people working out, but the personal trainers themselves have, a, like both, both groups have an insecurity that their client's not gonna, that they're not giving enough to their clients, so they're gonna make them do too much. And then the, you know, the person who's working out, they, they always wanna like, they're not sure if they're working out enough either, so they overdo it oftentimes as well, you know, or they think they need to do 30 reps, 50, like 50 push-ups, 100 push-ups, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. instead of uh, having a plan and progressing the intensity in such a way so that you get to a certain goal, to reach a certain shape of an exercise, a progression, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and it sucks because people don't know oftentimes like what they're going for or how to program it. And it's really not too complicated. And one, right? Right? Am I right? Yeah, Am I, no, I, don't, I don't think it is. I think as well, um, uh, as, again, just going back to why it's so important for us to, who are body weight or calisthenics practitioners to promote and put out content for people to learn from because I think even if there was a well-meaning personal trainer who wanted to start incorporating like some body weight strength training strength and conditioning for their clients there's a certain level of skill for it like we were saying before if no one's ever been on the rings before a PT just can't take their client over to the rings and just start teaching them they need to learn that first and that's where there's an apprehension to stay away from say rings negatives uh for pull-ups like hanging on the rings and lowering yourself down and just going over to do say biceps curls and bent over rows with a barbell because that's so much more approachable to someone that doesn't have any kind of skill in that area for bodyweight training to just adapt it to very basic moves like that's one of my theories why so many people run because like for fitness because it's so simple there's definitely when you look at it there's techniques to it there's ways to do it and there's mobility and stuff to have but in and of itself anyone can just start moving their feet quicker than a walk and they're, tra they're training so that's why so many people do it so i think the fitness industry will have a tendency to go towards what is most simple when i feel there should be a little bit more skill involved. There probably is for the ones that are more respected, a level of skill there too. 
That's an interesting uh, theory. I think there's, yeah, that's, that probably holds water. And overall, I think it's just a gym culture that really, you know, bastardized training and so to speak, it removed the skill in such a way. Because, uh, you know, like I remember the gym, that my first gym, like there was one pull-up bar and it wasn't even uh, the kind of pull-up bar that you can do a muscle-up on because there was another bar in the way above it. You know what I mean? It was like... Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like it's just... It limits or it molds you to thinking... It molded me into thinking, like, this is how... This is, like, the, the way to train and this is it. Like, I was... Yeah. I'm actually really glad because nowadays... You know, calisthenics is very popular. So there are lots of young kids who, you know, it, they know what a planche is, right? They know what a front lever is. Like they've seen, they, they've seen photos and it's, you know, it's all over Instagram. Even if you're not, um, even if you're not into working out, I'm sure you've happened to see those kind of videos, right? <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, it's kind of nice that it it's a lot more you know everywhere now so at least it's not as uh, narrowly focused kind of like gym only you know dumbbells only kind of training yeah yeah hey so um with the you you got the gym membership and then you were you were doing a lot of swimming and cycling in your early 20s and then you found yoga did you find the yoga at, because you were looking for a way to counteract perhaps what the cycling was doing as in, because a lot of people can look at yoga as a recovery or a mobility or flexibility class to kind of counteract say cycling, having tight hamstrings. Exactly. Or hips or it was all those, something like all that. those things combined. Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And it, it was, and then, it was, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and then so from doing the yoga class, were there certain moves there, like from body weight? So, for, for example, the handstand or the crow pose, things like that, that you were particularly drawn to, which made you more interested in body weight training, or it was going to Muscle Beach and seeing what people were doing there kind of the main catalyst to your interest in body weight strength training starting? Uh, yoga was definitely the f initial catalyst. Uh, it would like gave me a taste of a lot of things that, you know, I didn't know how much, how deep into it I was going to go at the time, you know, but like I remember crow pose when I first nailed crow pose. It was, it was, you know, it was, that was originally from yoga and, you know, it was, yeah, like there was this overlap between, you know, my yoga practice and the muscle and muscle beach because uh, they, they kind of melded together at some point because I was still going to yoga. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, and, I'm, yeah, yeah. and I'm still going to yoga. Like I tell myself, I, I try to make it to like once a week. And, you know, sometimes it's once every two weeks I'll go to a class and, yep. you know, like. And what kind of yoga are you doing? Is it? You know, flows, is it any kind of kundalini? Is it yin? So I've tried kundalini I, a couple of times. I'm not a big fan. I don't, I don't, I'm not getting like that whole, 
I don't know, the experience that people that I've read read about and people say that they get, I, I don't know. It's like, but I, I do mostly a lot of uh, power yoga type of uh, yoga flows in general, which is like a vinyasa style flow where, okay. uh, you know, you're, you're flowing a lot, you're linking the breath with the movement and and whenever it's power yoga, there's generally a little more intensity, endurance, and uh, okay. usually so some a, more... A bit more of the muscles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. And that's really that's good because really cool. you really, you know, you really feel good afterwards. Like, you really feel good. <laughs> and, and do you do it heated or... No, the, the studio I go to is not particularly heated. I mean, I'm already, I sweat so easily as it is. Like, I don't, I don't need it, but I've done heated classes before. It's amazing, except for the pool, yeah. pool of sweat under you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I have quite a cheap yoga mat. So whenever I'm going there and sweating and we're doing, you know, the downward dog into, into something, my hands are just like, slowly slide like in slow motion just yeah. moving away you know you me. should get those uh, yoga mats I, I got one of these yoga mats i should have gotten it a long time ago i got it like i've had it for about two years now you know those thin mats that people put over their mat like you might see it in class sometimes it's just like a it's a cloth it's a cloth mat that goes on your yoga mat i mean that's what i mean okay <laughs> um i've yeah. that adds grip does it yeah, and it absorbs your sweat. So like, uh, and yeah. actually, it's interesting. I'm using a towel. Yeah, but it's yeah. You could yeah, use a long, get rid of some like, sweat. you could use like a long towel, like a beach towel. Basically, uh, what happens is as the towel starts to get moist or straight up wet, you know, as it gets moist from your sweat or whatever your moisture in general, it actually gets grippier and grippier. So. Those thin little, you know, mats that they put on the yoga mats, <laughs> those are, what are, they, what are they called? Yoga mat cloth. Yeah. It seems like a, one of those things where I feel like every kind of sport or activity, there's something that you could spend your money on. And perhaps for yoga, like uh, expensive yoga mats more grippy. Uh, they, I imagine they, that would be one are, of the technological advantages. They are a little bit, a bit grippier more. and they are a little more robust, but they often, you know, lose it when, when there's just a lot of sweat involved. Okay. Yeah. The one, like, I've, I've done yoga before. I wouldn't say I'm, a, I'm further than a noob at it. You know, I've only done it for maybe a month. I did it consistently. And then I've done it on and off since then. I did a video on it that's on my YouTube um, where I did it for the month and then spoke to the yogi afterwards about my, how I felt about it and stuff. And um, one thing I thought was, I'm just thinking about this now actually, one thing I thought this was limiting with yoga is the initial, it's very much like Olympic lifting, the initial part. So I've, I've done it, I've gone to classes and do it but I couldn't then go home now and just off the top of my head do a yoga flow or a workout. I would need to open up YouTube or have some kind of guide. It's not something where you can go and do it and then take that away and immediately just start doing it at home. 
Like you definitely can, but a beginner necessarily can't because they don't know all the different words and what necessarily should flow to what and things like that. Do you think there's a bit of a learning? Like, does that sound just like a noob talking or is there a bit of accuracy no, to that? No, that's extremely sense? accurate. So me personally, even though I, I know yoga very well, I've I'm a yoga teacher, I make yoga, I've made a lot of yoga videos on YouTube, you know, and even me, I like going to a class. I can do, you know, I can do yoga for a long time on my own if I wanted, right? So I have the knowledge and capability to do yoga on my own at home. But even me, I prefer to go to a class because, you know, there's no getting out of it. Once you're in the class, you know, you're not going to make excuses and say, you know, I'm going to get some water like from the kitchen, mm. you know, like <laughs> and just, mm. you know, take a break. Like I like going to a class because also you learn different things, you know, sometimes yeah. the teachers like I like to go to teachers that have a nice balance between uh, like the movement quality is really good overall and they're making you explore your body in ways that other teachers don't oftentimes and then also having a little bit of you know spiritual quote-unquote kind of talk like where they are kind of trying to inspire you or like they remind you to you know maybe devote this class to a certain focus or something that's on your mind and then at the end of the class they tell you to you know remind you of that and you know like very simple concepts right that i might not do on my own you know yeah and like constantly and you might be reminding yes. like sorry like they also constantly remind you of the breath like if they're good teachers they're constantly reminding you about how to breathe and all that so like all these things are just like it's great to go to a class i love i love going to classes <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a really good thing about yoga is that focus on the breath because it's very underestimated for someone like, well, I think just the general public, the breath in terms of health and fitness is quite underestimated. But particularly for me, it's underutilized. Um, one thing, reason I can think of is because when I did my Olympic lifting and when I was learning squatting and deadlifting, there was a large emphasis on the Valsalva maneuver or basically holding your breath against a closed glottis and kind of like pushing against that and that gave you extra strength. Well, I felt it did. The, the being tense and just being able to do the movement and it's strength training. So you can hold your breath throughout the duration of that movement. And then that way of moving or exerting effort kind of bled into everything else I do. So I think I have a tendency to hold my breath for a lot of the things that I do now, whether I'm thinking about it or not. So even in a handstand, I haven't really thought about it, but I bet you when I kick up into it, I'm holding my breath as I'm trying to get folk, as I'm trying to get balance to hold it. And it's only been over the last couple of years that I've thought about breath a lot more, seen how much I struggle to control it in yoga, whenever there is something 
difficult because, as you said, there's a big emphasis on breath, right, from the very start. So I'm thinking about that, and then as soon as the class starts and something becomes difficult, I'm holding my breath or I'm not thinking about it or they're very short. They're like, you know, like it's not flowing or... Yeah, it's natural for when you're any way. stressed out, right? Yeah. To and hold the breath. It into play with, say, my mixed martial arts training, where if you are fighting, sparring, grappling, rolling with someone, um, your gas tank is an important factor there. I've spoke about this before. When you're tired, you can't put skills together. You can't tie moves together. So it's important to have a good gas tank. And one thing, even if you have good cardio, one thing that's guaranteed to mess up your endurance is bad breathing. And a good example is when uh, we had a jiu-jitsu competition recently. And one of the main, I didn't compete because I was injured, but a main takeaway I got from some of the contestants who it was their first time doing it, was they trained uh, a, a, um, a what do you call it, a session or a, a match, sorry, is five minutes. And in training, the rolling or sparring is six minute rounds. So they felt more than ready cardio wise to do it. But as soon as they go into this competition that has the pressure of a crowd and it's a competition, they tense, they tense up and all their movements are done through <laughs> like that tight breathing, they're not letting it flow and they gassed out a lot quicker than they ever would during training, which to me is just a great, a prime example of why it's important to have a control of breathing. So I think it's something that yoga highlights and it's a really, it's an amazing takeaway and thing to focus on in your yoga if you're struggling to see like, oh, it's not as intense as bodyweight training, so I don't see why I should go into yoga and um, do this when I could just go and do a handstand or pull-up session or something like that. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah, a lot of sports don't emphasize the breath, but yeah, yoga is like, it's like the main... It's like a huge aspect of it that they're constantly emphasizing. And uh, I'm curious the, from the Volsalsa maneuver that you have been practicing, is that what forced you to hold your breath more <laughs> in the last couple of years? Um, I think so, yeah. I, I think that I didn't really think about it before I was specifically shown what the Valsalva maneuver was, but I think a lot of the things I've done in the past, so tumbling and um, sprinting and stuff, they're all power things where you kind of would hold your breath. So I kind of, it was maybe a natural thing to do that, but early on, when I was, I'm kind of like you, a stickler for the technique and the form. I was looking up how to do these things. And something that was emphasized was to brace your torso for your lower back and everything. And you could do that most effectively by holding your breath. Right. So and you basically like take a, the way I understand it is you take a big breath in and then you like, you just brace your core, right? Basically to increase the pressure inside oh is that is that is that it 
Yeah, so you're not like, you take a deep breath and then this was when I said you put pressure against a closed glottis. I don't even think I know what a glottis is to just describe it, but it's kind of at the back of your throat. So there is a bit of pressure at the back of your throat coming forward. <sighs> and yeah, it's kind of like, this is where it would probably be good for us to see each other so I could show you exactly what I'm doing. But I, I do have a video on it as well. I can put it in, in the description. So you're, the, the pressure that you're putting forward is higher up than lower down. So you're not taking a breath and then like pushing out your sphincter. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's not what you would want to do. It's yeah, keeping it up around like the chest, the throat, that kind of area. And it gives to me gives a feeling of, um, uh, I can't think of the right word. It's interesting it, because it, it feels like it, it tends, I'm doing it now and it feels like it tenses up the lower, you know, uh, like the abdomen area anyway, just from doing that, like intensely. Yeah, it's a, it's a bracing position and I think it happens naturally, but I think it's wise to teach it when you're looking at things like squatting, deadlifting, Olympic lifting, I think it's just a safer way to do it. There's been, there's definitely risks. Like if you had high blood pressure or something like that, and you were taking a deep breath, holding it and then lifting heavy weights. But I think for the general public, faint. it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's good practice to do when you're looking at compound exercises to keep your spine and your lower back safe. Yeah. Um, so we went to, went to yoga and then I think it's really cool that you were, that Muscle Beach is kind of the home to what inspired you to get into bodyweight strength training. I reckon that's awesome. Um, cause it was such like a mecca for that kind of training. But, uh, the other thing I wanted to chat to you about was so you've been doing bodyweight training for how long have you been doing? Um, so in six, seven or eight years now. Yeah. So you've been doing it a while. I think I, because I'm making a video on it, um, my 10 years to straddle planche, I recently worked out. Yeah. It's been about 10 years since I started as well. So you've been doing it a long time and you and me both have YouTube presence. We're both on YouTube putting out content. Um, but if you look at my content, my content is, there's a variety, but you'll see it skewed toward me going for these big strength skills like the iron cross, the planche. But if you look at your, your content, your content seems to be skewed more towards helping the beginner, showing workouts that allow people to get into calisthenics themselves. It doesn't seem to be as big an emphasis on you know, going for a massive strength skill. Are you able to talk about kind of your philosophy and your approach to how you take on bodyweight training? Sure. Um, like, I don't want to make a video on something that I can't do personally. So, you know, I, I and I feel like I need to have mastered uh, something. Like, if I've mastered something, then I, I should then I will probably make a big a video for beginners on that topic and then maybe give some morsels 
later on down the line about intermediate or advanced tips. You know what I mean? Because yeah. most people are in that beginner to intermediate phase anyway. And I feel like if someone can, you know, can do a full planche or something like that, I mean, they're not looking for tips online on how to do it. Like they're, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they are, um, so I'm trying to like, my mission is to help as many people as I can. And I, you know, in my mind, I keep in mind that most people uh, maybe don't have as much, you know, they don't know what they're doing in the early, early part. So I want to help them have a nice foundation, whether, you know, it has to do with flexibility or strength training and just like, you know, simple things like push-ups and pull-ups. I feel like those things, if those are in order, if the people following me have those things in order, like, that's great. Like they're already way ahead of the general population. And then as I get stronger myself, I feel like, yeah, eventually, you know, I'll make more videos on more advanced things. But yeah, that's pretty much how I go about it. Are big strength skills like the Iron Cross or a full planche in your horizon? Are they things that you would like to one day be able to do? I, I don't think I would. Uh, so I've never like had a big, you know, thing about Iron Cross and planche itself. I've never found it to be that, um, I don't know why, like I'm, I'm not like infatuated with it. I've, you know, tried to work on it and I think I will work on it like way more seriously beyond just a tuck planche one day. Uh, but my main love is the front lever. So I, I love the front lever and that's just like, that's my real, like if I, you know, get any move, like that's, 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 that's my, my, uh, <laughs> my infatuation lately. So, and that's always been like ever since from the first year, I thought that was like the greatest move, even though planche is hard, even though planche is harder, I just like the aesthetics of the front lever so much more. And, and in actuality, it's freaking hard, man. It's like so hard. <laughs> I don't, it's so, it's uh, so much harder than the back lever. And it's a very interesting skill in itself because it's an A in gymnastics. So according to the gymnastics code of points, it's one of the easiest of easy skills But it used to be C. Did you know that? Was that? No, I didn't do that. Was that many years ago? Decades ago, back lever was A, front lever was C, which makes sense. Right? Maybe not in yeah. not in today's I guess not in today's standards because they're doing so much like Yeah, I think when you look at other C's and then you were to see a front lever there, you'd be like, hmm, <laughs> let's maybe move that back a few a few letters. But yeah, I, like so I was talking to well, for me personally, front lever's really hard. When I had skills like the straddle planche, when I was really close to full planche and iron cross, the front lever was still if even a two second hold max. Yeah, that's so crazy. That's that's a weird one. Um, some people pick it up quite easy. For some people, like I feel for myself, it's a very difficult skill that you need to specialize, to specifically train towards to get. And I was talking to Yard in the last podcast 
And he even mentioned um, Yuri Van Gelder. Even he doesn't struggle with it, but the level of mastery he has over that compared to his other skills like Maltese and full planche, the yeah, the front lever is still a difficult skill for him. Yeah, to and that's crazy because he's like the Lord of the Rings, like. Hey, yeah, the Lord. The, the Lord of the Rings. And, and like, <laughs> you know, it's so strange. Like, he can do so much. And I never see Yuri Van Gelder holding a front lever in any of his routines. Like, he just doesn't... I, I don't think... I think he doesn't include them because it takes too much out. Uh, it takes too much of his strength. Uh, it takes away too much of his strength for the other moves that he's good at, which is mind-blowing, right? Like, because this is like, this is like one of the pros. So it, it's more humbling, like, that we are struggling with it. Um, and I, I met, I saw Lachlan, by the way, the other, um, when, it was like a month, two months ago, he was just back from Burning Man, and I saw him at the beach, at Muscle Beach, and... We were hanging out and then I was asking about how his front lever was and you know his was like the same thing he had like a it was like a hold for like one or two seconds and then it started to degrade you know and like everyone I think has a struggle with it if they're if they're of any significant height and or they have you know like you know their thighs are huge right like they got tree trunk legs right <laughs> Yeah, I think it's, I mean, when you talk about Lachlan, who's a, who does competitive gymnastics, and you think of Yuri Van Gelder, who's a champion on the rings, they don't necessarily need to hold a front lever for much for longer than two seconds. But what makes it interesting is that with all the time they're putting in training, it doesn't just translate over. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you think you'd think that would be like 10 seconds just on its own if they had if they had to right you would think because the lats are bigger and like the the, the way the scapula is sitting like it's supported in such a way like as opposed to the planche where you are like you have to push forward like your scapula are you know not supposed to be winging and coming off the ribs otherwise you lose you lose it right like you lose the plant right so like it is yeah it's crazy but that's actually one of the reasons why i so you asked me earlier if i have any like big strength moves in mind like iron cross or uh planche and but for me personally front lever is one of those goals and i've literally just been working on it for like a good 15, 16 months now, or four, like 14 months actually, non, non-stop, like, so it's, it's been awesome, I'm like, so happy that I'm just doing uh, a very, very advanced single leg front lever, <laughs> like I'm doing negatives of those, and I'm doing like 20 reps of those in the workout, and building that up right now, and I can taste I can taste that I'm going to be able to do full front lever negatives, like the full range, probably in the next, uh, maybe next two months or something like that, because of the way I've been progressing. I have a log of everything. 
so far in those past two years and so it's it's cool like i can actually like see how long it might take to just get there so it's pretty cool have you been tapering at all or are you talking about linear progression for about 14 months um it's been pretty linear actually well the first few months were um the first few months there was a bit of tinkering where in like i it took a while to hone it down to you know what was the most efficient way to go about it so to speak and i've and it was like I, it's been very linear in the past year like salt solid like just very no plateaus it's just constantly getting better very slowly but surely and that's yeah. way better than you know no progress to me because of how difficult of a move it is yeah it's, it's interesting in terms of how you've been training at that longer i feel like there's two aspects to skill training so there's the first aspect where you're obviously training towards a skill right um but sometimes I'm trying to think of some examples you know sometimes just training for a skill like say you're training for a handstand maybe 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 this is a good example i don't know yet let me keep talking and we'll see and it's not that challenging so the skill is challenging and you need to put in the practice but the actual effort is not that difficult it's great when you have something like your front lever where you can break it down break the skill down into the components that you need to nail so the core strength the scapular activation um, and create a workout from a skill I like how you can do that with body weight training where you can say, oh, yeah, so you can say like, oh, I want to get a planche or a front lever. And it's not just your workout is you doing a front lever. The workout is you breaking down the components to it. And by doing that, you can actually create a workout that once you're finished, you leave not only satisfied that you put in some more hours to the skill, but also satisfied that your body had a good workout for lack of a better word to describe it yeah i think that's so part to of me that, it keeps the motivation yeah. going as well that's part of the i, I guess the I, that's part of like really the obsessiveness is like that there's a very technical that's like the technical side of bodyweight training right that is yeah you know breaking it down into all the different progressions it's like i love that i love that because yeah. you know and I love, in general, I love very challenging moves, like extremely challenging moves. Like, so front lever is one of those. I, I don't know what else, you know, I, I don't know if I'll be able to hold a planche. I mean, obviously, with that kind of mindset, I won't. But like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy, though. Like, uh, I don't know. That move is so difficult that I, I, I don't know. I feel like my shoulders need to be like three times bigger and stronger, obviously. And <laughs> Yeah, it, it was interesting, again, talking to Yard in the last podcast and hearing his how he was coached to go about planche. And there's a big process involved in not training the planche, but actually building Just the muscle. Just strengthening your can, delts. Yeah. 
so it's there to deal with the demands of the planche. Yeah, I feel like it's like a it's like the most intense front delt raise. If we were to like break it into just pure like if we had to choose one, you know, weighted exercise, <laughs> I feel like what would you equate it to? Is that is that like something you would equate it to? I feel like if I had to break it down to one, it's like a a front delt raise. I don't know, that's tricky. To equate it to anything else is quite hard. Um, like uh, in terms of what the strength is required of it, you know what I mean? Like to me, it's, mm. like, it's like I feel like I need to like lift almost half my body weight <laughs> in each arm, like have a dumbbell of half my body weight in each arm, in each hand, and just raise that up in front of me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, but then you're not feeling what it feels like in the core either. Because that's, I was going to say, yeah, if you, if you lay on a bench and get two dumbbells and try and press them from level with your hips to slightly above your hips, that's equivalent. But it's also not because there's no real pressure on the core. Um, it sounds kind of like a, a weird way to relate it, but when I maxed out my back squat the last time I hit a, P, a PB, 180 kilos a couple of years ago, the effort involved in doing that is very relatable to the effort involved in doing the full planche because it is max effort for me to do this skill and it involves everything in the body being tight being tensed and just going for it and either your body can do it or your body can't but regardless your body is under maximum stress right now in order to achieve the skill so yeah i can't think of like an equivalent movement i guess because the planche is quite a unique skill but in terms of like what is going through your mind and how your body feels i'm just thinking of like another max effort that I've done and I'm thinking of how intense that squat was and that's kind of what I was trying to replicate and feel when I was attempting it at the end of the stronger second stronger series it's an intense move man yeah intense is the um, right right word for it and then uh yeah you know it's Go also on. interesting that you know like I've trained with alongside many 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 people right since I go to Muscle Beach, I over you know, let's say eight years time, I've watched I've watched people start out like me, and progressed exponentially faster. You know what I mean? And yeah. and oftentimes I've noticed you know that they not not only that they're young, but they're also significantly shorter and very lean. Right? So I've yeah. watched people be able to completely skip progressions that you know i would spend let's say months on that they wouldn't even try like they you know what i yeah. mean like they so it's that part is very interesting as well because uh the human experience of bodyweight exercises can be extremely gratifying and very quick like with no plateaus or if you're particularly very tall, it can feel futile and it can feel like, 
you're, you know, impossible. You know what I mean? Like, it's very interesting. And it sucks because if someone is very tall, they might feel demoralized by how long it takes or, you know, might feel like it can never happen. But really, it's all in your mind, man, because you're going to be experiencing you're going to be if you really want something you're going to train for it and you might as well start now because let's say 10 years from now uh you know those 10 years would have passed regardless so you could have been training for it anyway right even if it's going to take 10 years versus someone else that took one year right (laughs) so yeah yeah i i think that um like you said, everyone's going to have a different journey and it's not, it's not even exclusive to body weight training. I remember with Olympic lifting, some people would have knee injuries. Some people would have hip injuries. Like I remember people having hip injuries and I'm just thinking, how could your hips get hurt from doing this? I don't, it doesn't compute. (laughs) So clearly there were different mechanics at work and there's definitely body types that are more advantageous in Olympic lifting compared to others as well. Same with there's better body types for a deadlift than there are for a bench press or something. So I think as long as you enjoy and are excited about what you're training, um, not that I can control people thinking this, but you shouldn't be demoralized if it's harder for you than it is for someone else. If you enjoy that skill or working towards that skill, then that's awesome. And that's also why I think there shouldn't just be people that are amazing and genetically gifted at bodyweight training, teaching and talking about bodyweight training. There should be people like you. There should be people like me who are average, average heights. Or I think you're about average height. Are you about six foot? Yeah, pretty much. Just, yeah, or yeah. even taller, like Tom Tom Merrick, the bodyweight warrior. Yeah. Who's, I think he's six he's, four he's, or something. Uh, six I don't remember, but I met him in person. He was uh, probably three and yeah, he's probably like six, three, something like that. Yeah, he was a couple inches higher. There should be people across that whole spectrum doing, talking, uh, learning, and then teaching body weight training. Because if all there was, was people with the body type of an elite rings gymnast, then I think you'd be seeing a lot of people demoralized because they would be learning, say, front lever and someone like, I'm not saying this is just a hypothetical, and someone like Yuri Van Gelder is showing them and Yuri's going like tuck to one-legged to full front lever and then the someone who's, say, six foot is going tuck and then they can't just go to one leg. <laughs> they need the advanced tuck. Right. They need the straddle. They need the, yeah, so for... Yes, there's a whole range of, uh, there should be a whole range of practitioners and there should also be a whole range of um, teachers as well. And that's what I think you're doing really well, man, is um, adding, I think your type of content is unique for the bodyweight community and super helpful and encouraging for the beginner to learn. I try, I try and, and I'm, you know, I'm sure you do as well because it's like, if someone is struggling uh, and they have and they are overweight i would say that you know if they are doing bodyweight exercises i found that anytime i'm i get a little leaner everything becomes like it feels ex- exponentially easier so 
That's one of the, like the things that I, I keep in mind as well. Because in the winter time, I tend to bulk up, you know, for whatever reason, right? <laughs> Holidays and, you know, colder weather. The holiday bulk. You know, you know, heavier clothes that hide your skin. You know, you don't, it just naturally creeps up a little. But I, that, to me, that's not a bad thing because I use that as an advantage to get like as strong as possible. But I know that the certain skills, because I'm a few pounds heavier, let's say, be, become, they feel so much harder. And like, and then whenever I lose it, it's just like, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm like flying, you know, like it's just like an unparalleled feeling. So if someone is at a disadvantage where they are on the taller side or something, uh, if they are overweight, the, the best thing they could do is probably lose some fat if they can, and then they'll feel like, oh, their pull-up numbers skyrocketed, and, you know, like, some their muscle-ups are easy now, and <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think uh, everybody needs body fat to live, but I think in terms of optimal health, should be aiming to have as, not, not minimal so you're shredded, but get rid of all the unnecessary fat that doesn't need to be there. And I think any kind of physical activity will just immediately become easier. And it's also less pressure on your joints. It's just the, the smart thing to do if you are interested in your health and fitness for the long term. Yeah, big time. Because those are like healthy habits anyway that set you up for life. Like food is something we do not only every day, but multiple times a day we eat. Right? Like, I mean, some people eat once a day. Fine. Okay, fine. But they still eat. <laughs> and so the yeah. quicker we can, like, get this thing down where we're not, you know, gaining weight every year, year on end. Like, I, I, I say this because I know so many people in real life, you know, that I've watched over the years. And they, you know, like, I grew up with them. And then over time, like, they just everyone's getting fatter unfortunately like not everyone but like it's it's a sad like situation to see you know like the food is so abundant and not like somehow like the self-control is not there and the, you know i don't know it's just like one of those things that i see all around me is very prevalent and so i don't know how it is in australia I don't know how it is in Australia, but like... Oh, it's, it's bad here as well, man. I think Australia, unless stats have changed, Australia per capita is the fattest, one of the fattest nations in the world. I think uh, like Tonga, there's some, you know, like the, in the Pacific Islands, I think they're per capita are the most obese nations, but Australia is way up there and possibly uh, per capita higher than America, if you can believe that. But um, yeah, man, it's up to it's up to us. It's up to what? Sorry. It's up to us. <laughs> if they, yeah, or they could just stop making food so yummy. Yeah right. right. Yeah right. <laughs> Food's always gonna be there. It's just we have to learn to respect it and. Uh, it's just, yeah, I know. I wish, like, I say it oftentimes, I say this to my friends, like, I wish I had, I was a, like a cow, like I had eight stomachs and I just had to eat all day. Like, honestly, that sounds amazing if you got, you know, if you got the money to eat, 
you know, and there's good food around, shit, that's awesome, you know, it's like, yeah, like that's, but if you look at what cows eat, like they're just eating yeah. grass, I know, and but I want everything, that takes I'm talking, to digest. I'm talking like, yeah, like everything, <laughs> yeah, like I bet you if a cow had oppos opposable thumbs, and discovered fire it would start to like saute the grass yeah and start to add like some salt and some you know eat caesar salad you know <laughs> they'll, they'll get the caesar salad dressing and yeah pour it on the grass. Right, then well um as we as we kind of wrap this up did you have anything to plug have you got anything going on and i can put it in the show notes so just let people know what you're up to uh, sure. I mean, in general, I put out YouTube videos uh, almost every week. And then if it's not a YouTube video, it might be a blog post. And the easy, you know, the easiest thing for them to go to is like my name, ontronic.org. So just my website, ontronic.org over there. I have a my Instagram account as well. If you just look up my name, ontronic.org and that's that's pretty much it man like there's always content coming out and you know nothing in particular that i want to plug other than you know check out my site see if it jives with you and you know stuff like that and do you do you still have a big presence on reddit because i'm not on reddit very much but i know that you were or are are you a moderator um well? i'm a moderator right now of the flexibility subreddit and a few other subreddits and i am still pretty active in the bodyweight fitness subreddit like i check it almost daily if not daily and i do participate and help people out whenever i can it's not as like often as it was like before back in the day it was just like multiple times a day but now it's more like once a day. So yeah, I'm still there. Yeah, Reddit's awesome. If you guys haven't been to the Bodyweight Fitness subreddit, that's the place to go to if you're listening to us and you have interest in bodyweight exercises. Yeah, it's still a great hub, is it, for beginners or intermediate or even advanced to go on and kind of chat, get to know the community and ask questions if they're having any trouble. Yeah, big time, big time. There's a, yeah. It's a very good spot. In general, the it's a much it's grown a lot in its uh subscriber base but the quality is still pretty good the advice that's given is that's upvoted is still the proper advice so at least that's good so yeah it's a great resource awesome awesome man well thanks for coming on the podcast and thanks for hopefully having me. we can do this again sometime and um yeah, I'll chat to you soon. And all the links for Antronik's uh, info, his website, his social media will be down in the description. So thanks, Anto. Thanks, Tyson.